Welcome to the Freaking Geeks Podcast, the flagship podcast of Freaking Geeks Media. In this podcast, hosts Michael, Sarah, and Barry crank the geekiness to 11, covering everything from movies and television to pop culture, video games, books, and so much more. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The podcast is produced each week, so feel free to add us to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. The links will be in the show notes. Okay, now it's time to start the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me is my co-host, Sarah. Hey, geeks. All right, Sarah, so uh, are you excited to talk about Stranger Things? I'm always excited to talk about Stranger Things. (laughs) Yeah, um, this is going to be our episode three, or season three, episode three review. Uh, It is titled The Case of the Missing Lifeguard. And (laughs) it was was actually not written by the Duffer Brothers. This one was written by uh, a writer by the name of William Bridges, who who is actually known for um, uh, writing really well-plotted scripts and... Uh, is directed by Sean Levy, who is uh, one of the staple directors. I think he's also one of the the main producers of the show, along with the Duffer Brothers. So yeah, he's kind of a go-to, right? He's been involved with the show pretty much, I think, since the beginning. So, um, and of course, uh, all these episodes have, were released on July fourth, uh, the fourth of July, and uh, I, I found that uh, this episode was actually pretty, uh, to me at least, uh, personally. Uh, I thought it was actually pretty fantastic. Um, But I'll definitely be excited to hear what you have to say. Uh, Yeah, it's great. Like I thought this episode had some really smart ways of revealing information to us that's not just like so, like any lesser show would have been so, having the characters talk it out, and like feeding you information, but they do a really good way of just it's kind of revealed to you. Right. Right. So episode three here, the case of the missing lifeguard, I, I'm trying to think of like how to do a synopsis for this episode. Um, <laughs> but more or less, I think the best way to, to, to do this is just to say that uh, using her powers, um, Eleven finds out some information about Billy that concerns her. And that's when... <laughs> Uh, she and Max go on a little bit of a what I would call Nancy Drew esque uh, murder mystery kind of thing, I guess. Right, and they're the ones Nancy Drewing it. Meanwhile, yes, exactly. Meanwhile, uh, Mike and uh, um, why can't I think of their names? Uh, Lucas and uh, Will. Lucas and Will are um, trying to figure out their girl problems. Uh, at least uh, <laughs> Lucas and Mike are. Meanwhile, yeah. Will just wants to play Dungeons and Dragons and hang out and just be with his buddies. Exactly. Have some guy time. Have some guy time. Uh, all right. So let's um, jump into this and let's talk about what we really like and what we dislike when it comes to uh, the plot and to, you know, all of the major uh, uh things that happen in this episode in terms of like the narrative progression that we get, you know, not just in this episode, but in the season as a whole. And to be quite honest with you, I, I actually kind of feel like this is the strongest uh, episode of the season thus far for me personally. Um, I found this uh, episode to be really great for a number of reasons. First off, I alluded to the fact that the writer of this episode is known for writing scripts that are uh, very well plotted, and I felt like this was a very well plotted episode. Um, either it, it's it's pretty much I think airtight. Yeah, very much so. There isn't a lot of wiggle room. Uh, you can you can't really find anything that makes you feel like the writers kind of just did a half decent job at making sure things line up properly. Uh, where I felt like this episode. Like there's been some episodes in the past where I felt like uh, they're kind of mm, not really crossing all their T's and dotting all their I's here. Yeah, but this very it, it serves the purpose of the story, like moving forward, not just you know putting something in because you want to and it serves no purpose. Everything in this episode is purposefully laid out to progress the story forward. Yes, but uh, there's more to it. And then we forgot okay. something. We should probably do our one-sentence review. 
Oh, right, right, right. So I, let me let me get my give my one sentence review first. Uh, so mine is with a near perfect mixture of tight plotting and excellent character beats. Stranger Things unleashes its best episode of the season thus far. Oh, that's high praise. Um, my one sentence review would be that this is an excellent use of pushing the plot forward and having everything laid out in a certain way. That it's one of those episodes that. You know, it is the crux of we're getting down to business kind of episodes. Like everything is starting to amp up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I like that they kept it at the closer to the beginning of the season. Yeah, uh, this one uh, is really, really uh, good for a number of reasons. Um, you allude to the fact that the characters find information in an interesting way. Um, yes. And so if we look at. Well, let's start out with the two that are probably the most important, I think, here, which is, of course, Eleven and Max. So in the last episode, Eleven and Max, uh, they started a bond, right? Yeah, uh, really they, nice friendship. They went off. Yep, they went off to the, to the mall. They uh, dressed up. They, they hung out. It's really great to see Eleven have a female friend because, quite frankly, she needs it in yes. the men in her lives, whether it be Mike or, or Hopper um, or just the other boys, you know, that she knows she needs a female friend. And they're not the most stablest people. <laughs> no. And, and again, I'm not saying that, um, you know, people might misinterpret what I'm saying. Like, I don't think that she needs to have a female friend for, the sake of being female, right? It's more like it's someone that is a female, and and she, there's just a different point of view that they, uh, you know, Max can look at things, and she can go to Max for advice. You know, it's like you can go to you can go to a, a female or a male for advice, right? For a lot of things, but there's just some things that it's nice to have a female friend for because they can just give you advice on things and a viewpoint that you might not get otherwise. Yeah, As I'm sure exactly. you understand, right? I mean, it's probably just nice to have a female friend that you can talk to. Yeah, one that's not looking to backstab you or, or any of the typical tropes someone might use in a TV show. Like, it is a genuine, you know, real life kind of friendship you would have. Right. So, uh, we ha- and after the events of the last episode where Eleven broke up with Mike because, you know, he was lying. Lying, right, about his Nana. Uh, now, to be fair, Hopper pretty much uh, threatened him with bodily harm. Um, <laughs> and I can understand why a a young teenager might feel the need to follow through and do what Hopper says. Yeah. Nonetheless, it's still a lie. And given that uh, uh, the the line that probably Eleven holds most dear to her heart is, friends don't lie – and therefore, uh, to find out that your boyfriend, who is at this point in time your best friend, is lying or has been lying to you is uh, not something that I think Eleven can reconcile easily. So because of that, um, we have these two hanging out, uh, looking at magazines and, you know, just you know, being, I guess, Girls in the mid '80s, right? I mean, yeah. looking at Ralph Macchio in in like Teen Beat <laughs> and and stuff like that, and they get this idea to use her powers, right? They're gonna look in on um, Mike the and the boys and all of them and just see what they're doing. So she, which is brilliant, which, like it's a way to yeah. incorporate her powers, but also use it for a reason, like a teenage teenager would do, you know, to spy on their. significant others right and it actually you know you might see it as irresponsible like why would you do that but i can also totally see a teenager with those powers saying hey why not you know what's exactly what's the problem so she does that and the boys mike is um calling them a different species (laughs) and that they're emotional not rational um all this stuff and and of course uh max is just completely beside herself and uh you know then you have um you have that well they do that and then and then they decide to look in on billy 
because they do like a spin the bottle kind of game like yeah to see who it lands on and first off it lands on mr wheeler but then they're like nope boring yeah redo it. <laughs> which i thought was but, fantastic you know if they had spelled on mr wheeler it would have been him like murdering somebody <laughs> yes we've we've been talking about this since like the we started doing the reviews for these episodes since the first yeah. season he's hacking away at some at some poor girl so. And hiding her in like a trunk or something. Yep. Yep. So, so once again, he's been escaped by. That's right. Got lucky there. So uh, they said fall on Billy. And when Eleven looks in on Billy, of course, she sees Billy leaning, leaning over um, Heather, who's the. He's kind of murdering somebody. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, he's basically saying it'll all be over soon. And she screams. And it's just terrible. Eleven knows that what she's seeing what she's witnessing is bad awful and she comes out screaming and in tears i mean it's uh it's bad and she also gets the sense based on what happens in there that that it feels like it's the mind flare i feel like 11 even in that moment even if she isn't willing to admit it to herself knows that she has somehow somehow already touched the mind flare in some way yeah, because she can see him and he can see her even in the her upside-down mind world. Right, exactly. So um, so then this uh, obviously causes Eleven and Max to want to rush off and try to find out if this is all true. Is this just – did Eleven misinterpret, it, misinterpret what she saw? Because as Max hilariously says <laughs> – to eleven as they're walking, that uh, when uh, Billy is in his room with a girl, that there is like sometimes screaming, <laughs> and <laughs> we all know what that is. And, the poor eleven, sweet and innocent, <laughs> right? And and of course, eleven's uh, like, "What do you mean?" She's like, "Oh, screaming!" But it's like happy screaming. Happy screaming. I'm just gonna give you one of my mom's cosmos. <laughs> <laughs> So, you Pretty know, much ensuring that next season we'll be seeing like the full blown adult teenagers eventually, probably next season, which is certainly possible, right? It's certainly possible. It's just weird. We've seen these kids since they were kids. Like, I, I know it is, it is definitely weird. Uh, it's weird to see them even like at, at this age, <laughs> be quite I honest know. with you. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, so they end up going to the pool uh, to find out if um, if if Heather's there to, to kind of confirm their suspicions. Heather hasn't come into work, and then neither is Billy. Right, and they go to to the house to be, to uh, Billy and uh, Max's house. They go into his room, and in the tub they find ice packs. Mm-hmm. And then Red they find <laughs> right, and then they find bloody clothing down under like underneath the sink, along with a lifeguard fanny pack. Right. So this eventually leads them to uh, Heather's parents' house, and when they go inside, of course, they are just well. I don't know if they know what to expect, but when they get in there, they certainly didn't expect to see Billy sitting there laughing and talking and chatting with Heather's parents. It was probably the creepiest thing I've ever seen of Billy. It being is so nice and civil. Yep, and then um, he introduces you know his sister and uh, Eleven, which he didn't, I think, in that moment, kind of know. And then uh, Heather comes out, and she appears at least to be fine, but we know she's not fine. You know, she's like Billy now, and she's like Billy now. She's basically been more or less possessed. Right, she's uh, yeah. one of the pod people. Yeah, podlings. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, eventually, Max and Eleven leave. Uh, you know, and Eleven kind of is wondering whether or not it's you know is she wrong or something. She's not quite sure, but something's off. But she she can't like connect the dots because it doesn't seem to make any sense. At she least. doesn't have all the pieces yet to make it understandable. Right. Uh, so let's shift over to let's shift over to the boys. So right. post breakup, Mike and Will, um, they, uh, well, Mike, Will, and Lucas, and Lucas and Mike are just sitting there, just com- like talking and complaining and talking and complaining and talking and complaining about their 
girlfriends. They don't know how to fix it. Mike, well, Mike does not to fix it. Lucas talks about how about the fact that he's been um, broken up with like seven times, and he's he's got her back every time. You know, like somehow, some way, um, he's managed to win Max back. Um, Will, on the other hand, could care less. While they're talking about girls, he's setting up the D and D board. Um, That's all he wants to do. He does not give a damn about their girl problems. No, he does. He does not. Um, and you know, there's a point where like, like they wake up and, or, or no, uh, Will wakes them up dressed in his wizard outfit, which I found, yeah. I found, uh, adorable actually, uh, because you know, it's like, Will, he's like kind of small anyway, even though he's grown, but, uh, he wants to do Dungeons and Dragons. He wants to play the game that they've been playing for years. And it's a bit of an insight, I think, into Will. It's not just the fact that he still wants to play Dungeons and Dragons. I think it's a way of saying about his character, he's simply a not to the point where the other boys are right now. But it also lets you understand the fact that this is somebody who has spent the last couple of years uh, kind of removed from everybody else. He's missed out. Yeah, he's missed out on a lot, a lot of just like the last bit of what being like a real kid, like a kid kid was taken away from him. And so he's kind of lagging behind for a number of reasons. It's possible that even without all this happening, that he would still lag behind. Maybe not. But I don't think that that has done him any good. And it's certainly I think in some way it's kind of held him back uh, from, you know, maturing to, to this stage. Mike even says to him, what's the line that it's not his fault that Will doesn't like girls. And this can either be just him saying Will doesn't like girls yet. He isn't, you know, not at the stage they are. Or maybe Mike may be the only person that knows. Like they've kind of alluded to it since season one that uh, that Will might be gay. So Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if they are going to take that path or not, but I think right now it's kind of up in the air, a possibility. Yeah, it's possible, right? But, you know, they, they start playing this game, right? And you can clearly tell that Mike and Lucas are not into it. They, yeah, they're they, disengaged. Right, they're totally disengaged. They're putting about 10% effort into it. And even though at the end, when he first gets kind of mad, when uh, Will does get a little angry, and he says, you know, it's your turn, and, and what are you going to do? And then Mike kind of just actually does kind of make the right move. He's like, well, I'm going to do this and this and this, and I'm going to sacrifice my life. And that just saves the whole village and will be, you know, loved for the next, for all eternity or whatever. He, he says something like that. And, and in actuality that that would work. Um, but it isn't, it doesn't matter. The, the point isn't that it works. It's that Mike clearly doesn't want to play and Lucas doesn't want to play. And you get a sense that they, either haven't played Dungeons and Dragons in quite a while, or they've done it very, very, very sporadically. Either way, this is just not something they're into as much anymore. And Will gets, you know, pissed off. He he slams his stuff down, he grabs all of his 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 backpack and all his stuff and he kind of stomps out of there. Mike he runs up to try to get him to come back. You know, he's like, oh, come on, we'll play, we'll play. We're, we're totally going to be into this. And and that's when Will just kind of goes off and says, you know, where's Dustin at? You don't know, do you? And you don't care. You know, all you guys want to do is sit down and talk about girls and worry about stupid girls and all this stuff. Yeah. And, in you know, to to Will, I think it's, it's, it's the fact that to him, the girls are getting in the way of them as friends now whereas before they were this tight-knit group of friends um now they're fractured because of course mike you know wants to be with 11 lucas is with max dustin is off somewhere but supposedly dustin has uh, a girlfriend too supposedly supposedly and uh you know so to, to will this feels like the thing that's splintering this group apart and He's not old enough or had enough world experience to know it's just your it's growing pains. Like yeah. every every group of friends will go through this period, especially, you know, 
when you're teenagers, it happens, but you'll still come back together. But he just doesn't realize that because he's not old enough to. Right. And, you know, I feel like with, uh, with Will, it's, um, like I said, it's a sign that he's missed a lot. And so he's just not ready to move on to be, become a grown up, which is what they're on their way to. You know, they're, yeah. they're getting into to girls or to, or, you know, if, if Will is in fact gay to, to boys or whatever yeah. it might be. And, and I think he's just, he's not there yet. And that's fine. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. A lot of groups have at least that one friend who kind of does lag behind a bit, you know, from everybody else. Um, it takes them a little while longer. It might be another year or two before Will, or longer before Will is to a point where he is capable of, you know, maturing to the level that he needs to in order to, you know, head in this direction, if that is yeah. in fact, you know, what's going to happen with him. But it's obviously difficult for him and he hates it. And he just says, I'm, I'm, he basically just, you know, throws, uh, you know, Mike um, some shit and, you know, oh, yeah. and, and then just stomps out of there. And, uh, you know, he heads right over to Castle Byers and he's sitting in there. And I remember this from the trailer, but he's looking at all these pictures, them dressed up like Ghostbusters and, you know, other pictures of the, the group together. And it's, you know, he decides he's going to destroy everything. Like, it's almost like he's destroying it because Castle Byers doesn't exist anymore. Castle Byers is kind of like a um, bit of a metaphor for their entire group and their relationship and the mm-hmm. tightness for with which they had always been best friends. And now they're not, at least to him. And so he kind of rips everything down and then he gets his baseball bat and he goes out there and he starts just destroying Castle swinging Byers. Away. Just swinging away. Like he's he's more or less tearing down his childhood now. This yeah. is almost like the the growing pains you were alluding to. Like, yeah. it's the first step to just saying is it putting away childish things, I suppose, and and that's Castle Buyers. So if he destroys Castle Buyers, that's kind of like him saying, okay, it's time to stop living in the past and stop being a child. And yeah, uh, I take that step. Yeah, which is like I understand as a kid, and then when you get a little older, you realize it's okay to go back to you know some childish things and that but when you're a teenager like you think you have to you know grow up be a certain way and be more adult with your friends and stuff like that and it it is just growing pains you figure out over time yes yes definitely um and then let's move on to um let's talk about the the nancy drew mystery (laughs) which is which is, I mean, look, the case of the of the missing the case of the missing lifeguard is totally a Nancy Drew type um, exactly. story. Like it's the you would find a book, and that would be the title, and that's really important because we do have Nancy, and she gets called Nancy Drew um, in this episode by, by one horrible of horrible Gary yeah. Busey's son guy. <laughs> yep, and yeah, so Nancy and Jonathan. They uh, return to to Miss Driscoll's place, right, to investigate the rats. And uh, when they get in there, they are met with a strange sight, which is Miss Driscoll eating fertilizer. Which is just horrifying. Which like, this is old lady going crazy on fertilizer, and just I gotta give props to the this actress who plays Miss Driscoll because she was horrifying through this whole thing. Oh, she is. She is absolutely terrifying. I gotta admit, totally terrifying. Yeah. Um, all right. So then they get there, they see that, of course, uh, that's terrifying. And then uh, Miss Driscoll is, is being taken to the hospital, right? Uh, because obviously eating fertilizer, not good for your body. Not really. Not probably not the wisest thing. Doesn't work out too well. No, it does not. <laughs> um, so that's kind of a big deal. Meanwhile, Hopper and Joyce are headed off to the, uh, Department of Energy. And they have a big fight before that, though. <laughs> oh, right. So, of course... Hopper has a tantrum. So, Hopper comes... Or, Hopper is there. He gets up. He's a bit hungover. And Joyce Joyce comes in, and she's just... She's totally in, like, 
prime Joyce mode, right? Yeah. It's, it's, Detective it's, Joyce. On yes, case. exactly. Where she is already in step three. Hopper hasn't even gotten to the first step yet. Um, he hasn't even opened his notebook. <laughs> nope. And uh, she gets in. She starts rattling off all this stuff because she takes the the magnets and she puts them on the uh, refrigerator and they fall to the ground. And she puts them back up. They fall to the ground. And she's meanwhile she's talking and then she says, "Hey, I went." Uh, and uh, what's his to name? Mr. Clark's. Mr. Clark's uh, right. house. And of course, the first thing that Hopper thinks is, oh, okay, so you stood me up to go hang out with Mr. Clark. Yeah, this and, other guy. And Joyce is like, yeah, yeah, like, like, okay, yeah, like, there's a like, really good reason that I did this, and I went out and hung out, like. And Hopper doesn't want to hear any of it. No. And I mean, I understand that to a degree, though. I mean, look, you, you know, you say, hey, you want to go out to dinner? Yeah. Okay. Sounds great. I'll meet you at eight. And then you go to this really nice restaurant, you're dressed up. And then all of a sudden, you end up leaving two hours later because your date, date failed to show up. And then they come in the next day and tell you that while you were sitting there waiting on them, they were hanging out with, you know, another guy. Which is really the only thing that Hopper's hearing. Like it's yep. he's not All hearing about the magnets. He's not hearing about any of it. It's just you were hanging out with another guy while I sat in a restaurant waiting for you to get there. Yeah. So I understand. Kind of a jerk, but I right. do understand where he's coming from. No, I mean, I, I mean, I'll be honest. If that happened to me, I'd probably be really pissed off too. Because yeah, even if they're you know. friends and you make a plan and get stood up, like it's a shitty thing to do. Oh, I've had that happen. It really does. Oh, like yeah. especially when you. Especially when you, uh, you know, block out that time or alter your schedule for the entire day, and then the person that you're supposed to hang out with just doesn't show, and you're like, "Well, gee, if I'd have done that, I would have done this and this and this and this and this." Uh, exactly. I certainly wouldn't have just sat around wasting my time and waiting for you to to come around. So that's basically what it happens. And then uh, Hopper takes it a little further. You know, he kind of goes out. And unfortunately, Joyce is not there because she's out in the shed, but he's getting dressed and he's like talking about how, you know, I really think what I really think the problem is, is you just, you know, you just did this whole thing, you know, because you're afraid, you know, like heaven forbid we, you know, we all move on essentially. Yeah. And what he said, what he says, and it's, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a good point. Now, that being said, I don't think anybody should tell anybody else. Uh, how long it should take for them to move on from someone that they loved and care about dying, certainly uh, in front of them, Bob newbie superhero um, dying. uh, I I feel like I understand, you know, if Joyce isn't ready yet, she's not ready yet. It's only been six months, you know, and and maybe that's enough time. You feel like they should start contemplating the idea of going out, but you know, at the same time, you know, they they might still be in a in mourning. Yeah, in mourning. So, you know, uh but then uh, Joyce decides she's, you know, she's going to the Department of Energy and Hopper, you know, goes because Let's make sure she doesn't die. Right. He's she stomps off and he goes after her and then they go to the Department of Energy. And that's when Hopper tells Joyce that he knows that she is putting her house up for sale. Yeah, they kind of have a nice conversation. He's calmed down and it's kind of a heart to heart. Right. And I and I like what he says that he you know, there are people in this town essentially that care for her and that you know she needs to know that this can still be a safe place for her to raise Will and the family to, you know, for them to live. And you know, it's it's a nice conversation. And to be quite frank, and I'm not trying to get ahead of myself here. I'm just just telling you this. I wish there were more conversations like this in the season. If I, I feel you'll eventually hear in you know later episodes. I think that uh, you'll hear some complaints along the lines of a little too much bickering and not, and not maybe enough talking. Talking. Uh, I wish there were more of these kind of conversations. But uh, in this particular episode, the conversation is excellent, and I think it uh, it's uh, overall, you know, very well done. Yeah. Um, and then Hopper gets his ass kicked. Oh boy, does he like royally kicked? Like he can barely get a punch in, and this guy just Arnold Schwarzenegger beats the crap out of him. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, usually it's Hopper that does the ass kicking. 
right? Because yeah. Hopper's usually bigger than everybody else, and so he's the one that just knocks people out. We've seen him do it for two seasons. Uh, but in this situation, he is just out of his depth, right? <laughs> Way out. <laughs> he's just getting like Every, he's just getting pummeled and it hurts to watch it hurts it does like hitting his back and i can just imagine like <laughs> you know hopper's a good probably in his 40s <laughs> he's gonna be walking funny for days yeah yeah and, and you know i think that um on one hand it's, it's actually it's weirdly i kind of liked it it's weird to say because and it's something that I feel this season does very well. Again, I'm just going to be kind of generalizing here, so I'm not being going to be specific. But some of the characters this season who in the past haven't had to deal with much adversity and their ability to get things done don't get things done quite as easily as they did before, right? So then in this case, Hopper, like I said, Hopper's usually the one that's kicking everybody's ass. Now it's Hopper who's getting his ass kicked. So it's like, it's nice to see that he's vulnerable. It's nice to say that he can't just go into every fight and just be the winner, be the one yeah, that comes exactly. out on top. You need to know that it's possible that sometimes, you know, Hopper may know how to use his fist, but there's some people that are trained to be killers. Yeah, and, and he's definitely one of them. Right, this guy, this this guy who comes out of the shadows and just beats him up, and and you know, I thought maybe killed him. You know, he looked pretty bad. He was rough. <laughs> he was rough. Yeah. Right. And I don't know how Joyce ended up getting Hopper back to his place. No, they. I have no idea. I have no right? idea. Like she said very slowly, and I'm like. Was he able to hold himself? Because I highly doubt that. And she's like 90 pounds. There's no way she took him back. Well, what probably happened was he probably stumbled and, and, you know, under her arm. Like, she probably got under him and kind of helped him along, but he just has no recollection of I'm guessing that that must have happened. Yeah. So... uh, And then uh, Nancy, this is actually, again, I want to talk about this. So Nancy goes home, right? Because she gets, she goes back to the Hawkins post, gets eviscerated. They call her Nancy Drew. You know, it essentially they demolish her, yeah, more or less. And she, yeah, she gets fired too, yeah. right? Yeah, with Jonathan because they cross a lot of lines. Or, you know, no, 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 they don't get fired. No, because uh, no, no, not yet. Because uh, the 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 parents. In this episode, remember they get knocked out. Um, Heather's parents. Oh, that's remember, right. They get knocked I'm out. I'm jumping ahead. Yes. I'm jumping the gun. Yep. So, um, so then uh, she's just she's had a hard day, right? They, she's been ridiculed. She's been called you know names and and just demeaned. She goes home, and she's pretty low. And her mom comes in and and talks to her and. Uh, I got to tell you, this is probably the best moment that uh, Cara Bono has had on this show. Because um, if I have one major criticism of Stranger Things in the three seasons, and yes, I'm, I'm talking about all three, including this one, it's that I just don't feel like Nancy Willer has had a chance to really become a real character. It's I agree, but I think it's next episode as well. Say again? Actually, I think it's next episode because I think that's a conversation she has after being fired. With her mom. Oh, no, no, you're right. I'm thinking ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I know. Yeah, like, it's sorry. It's, right, even I'm it, like, I think it's this episode, but it, I, I'm pretty sure it's not. It, I'm pretty sure it it's is. next episode. So, yeah, sorry. We apologize. We were, we were, we were going to record Two, two episodes today we're recording one so we're getting our overlap here so our, our apologies uh all right so i'm trying to think is there anything else in this particular episode because um i feel like that is mostly everything basically um dustin steve and robin oh, are just right. translating right they're they're translating they're trying to, to figure out the the russian um translation 
And, and yeah. she figures it out. She does. So so they're trying to figure it out, you know, and and she ends up getting oh, that's right. There's a um there's a knock from delivery. And so she goes back and there's a guy with a, a silver cat. Yeah. Um, and silver guys, they're called links, but yep. their logo is a silver cat. Right. And so uh, as he's walking away, it's also, I believe, on the back of his his coat or his jumpsuit or yeah. whatever. So then that's that's the thing that causes her to go, oh, wait. So she runs out into the middle of the mall and she's looking around and she kind of spots like every single phrase that's in the, the, the Russian that they've translated. They There's a corresponding business that applies to that line, one of the lines, that particular line. And then so she's able to figure it all out. So that's when they realize, oh, it's the mall. That's the thing. This is this is the whole point. Like this is all about the mall, and uh, they realize that if there's something going on, it's either here above or it's below the mall. <laughs> exactly. So she figures out that uh, there's actually a great moment in this when she's looking. A trip to China might be nice, and she's looking at one of the restaurants, but there's like a pillar in front of it. So instead of saying hot dog on a stick, like you can normally see the restaurant say, it just says dog on a stick. Dog on a stick. It's a funny thing because <laughs> she's looking for China at that moment. Right. So I thought it was hilarious before she actually finds like the actual Chinese food place. <laughs> that was a nice touch. <laughs> yeah, that actually is pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah, she figures it out and she the, the clock has the yellow and the blue meeting at whatever time. So she she cracks the code. It's, it's the mall. Okay. Um, all right, Sarah, why don't you give me your script grade for this one? For this one, I gave it an 84. Gave it an 84. Okay. I gave it a, a 93. Ooh, wow. Um, I, I, I like this script for a lot of reasons. And the, the reasons I like it are, as I kind of said in my you know, one-sentence interview, I think the plot of the, like, the script is itself is excellent. I think that just the plotting of the episode, the string of events that kind of – Go you know go throughout the episode across all of the storylines, whether it be Joyce or uh, Eleven and Max or uh, Dustin and Lucas and Robin, or, I'm sorry, Dustin and um, Robin and uh, Steve, Steve. Yep. and you know across all of the different disparate storylines, I feel like it's just very well done. You know, on top of that, if it was just well plotted in terms of like the plot for the episode and the plot for the season, that'd be fine. But I feel like there was also enough character moments in this episode, you know, like there, there's enough here that it doesn't just feel like it's all about the plot and nothing else. It is probably a little plot heavy, but it's not plot heavy to the complete detriment of the characters. If that makes any sense. No, definitely. It makes total sense. um, All right. So that would uh, mean that the overall grade is let's see that would be an 88 not too bad all right all right let's uh talk about the acting um i gave it a 90 yeah that's my my grade as well it's like that's one thing that is always stable in this show is the acting like it never there's never bad acting it's always great yeah like some moments you have moments of brilliance sometimes you don't have like it's you're pretty general acting, but there's no bad acting. You're never worried a character's not going to be able to produce what they need to. Everyone's on point. Definitely. All right. So let's, uh, of course, the overgrade is a 90. Directing. <laughs> uh, directing is a 91. Yeah, me. I gave directing an 83. Maybe okay. I was lowballing a bit. Well, I mean, hey, look, it's such a grade. That's your grade. So that's fine. Um, you know, I kind of look at this episode and it's it, – look, there's strong directing throughout the entire season. Yeah. Uh, regardless of who the director is. I mean, first off, I think all the directors are on the same page when it comes to the color palette, of course. I oh, think yes. um, there's some really great scenes here. Like the scene where uh, Mike and Will are arguing out, out front of his house. And the rain. Yep, there's the rain in front of them and they're in silhouette. Um, it's, it's a really fantastic shot and the way that it was lit – uh, anything in the mall is just superb because that that's outstanding. Pure I mean, 80s. The production design on this show has always been very good, but the production design in this season has been the best the show's ever had. 
a lot of that comes from the fact that the budget is way bigger than it's ever been. Um, yeah, I saw that um, Millie Bobby Brown, you know, the first two seasons, I think she made like $30,000 an episode. And this is the first year she negotiated. And now each episode, she makes a quarter of a million. Uh, yeah, as it should be. <laughs> yeah, so I think their budget's definitely gone up. <laughs> yes, yes, and all the all the cast. I'm sure all the cast got nice oh, yeah. big bumps in their in their salary. Um, so uh, directing comes out to an 87. Um, let's move on to special effects and makeup. So um, the effects are, are very well done here, as they usually are. Uh, the scenes where Eleven uses her powers to kind of spy on the kids, of course. Uh, we've seen these kind of scenes uh, throughout the show's history, uh, so they're very well done. Uh, and that that more or less is the extent. There's a little bit of I think a, maybe practical uh, effects with uh, Miss Driscoll with the fertilizer and they probably used some makeup and stuff to kind of make her look uh, like crazy and, and yeah. a little, you know. Uh, but you know what? On the whole, I felt like it was it was well done. I I. I I think there's one thing I want to mention real quickly. The scene, because we didn't talk about it, the scene at the end where um, Billy and Heather attack her parents mm-hmm. is brutal. Yep. It's brutal. Yeah. I mean, that that was a level of viciousness, viciousness I've, I've not seen on the show before. And I thought they did an excellent job in showcasing that here. Uh, but it was a very well done scene, I got to say. They poisoned them. And then the poor dad's trying to get away, and well, you don't feel too bad because he's the asshole at the newspaper. But the mom, the mom isn't brains him. Yeah, the, and the mom isn't. You know, from everything that I've seen, she's actually appears to be like a pretty nice person. A nice person, you know, like so. It's it's yeah. They uh, really upped it this season. <laughs> yeah, they did. Uh, all right, so let's move on to the pacing uh, of this. Um, I again, I thought that the plotting and the pacing kind of go hand in hand here. Uh, I gave the pacing a 92. Nice. Wow. Yeah. I thought it was I very would well feel done. like a jerk. <laughs> no, no, look, it, it's fine. I mean, if, if you, you have a lesser grade, that's fine. I gave pacing 80. Okay. And it's just like, because I can tell like scenes are segregated. And, but I don't, it's not bad. I just, I can, I can tell the pacing's there and the way it's structured. But it's not really a negative. It's just, it's there. Okay, that's fine. Uh, all right, let's uh, talk about the rewatchability uh, grade for for this. <laughs> so, so Sarah, what what's your rewatchability grade for Stranger Things? I'm I'm gonna be really surprised when you give me this one. Yeah, like I think maybe after this episode, this might change, but it's still a hundred for this episode. <laughs> okay. Okay, I mean it's an, it's a hundred for me too. Um. So you think you think it changes? So a couple episodes that I'm like, eh, I might skip that one or wouldn't mm. watch it as much as the first three episodes. Interesting. But we'll talk. <laughs> Interesting. I'm uh I'm I'm intrigued actually by by what you're saying here. Because it you know, I and I'm just gonna kinda speak generally here. I, I feel like season three of Stranger Things is uh, and a season that is about, for the most part, I'd say it's about as good as you could hope for. Oh, I I yeah. totally agree. Like I'm talking like a difference of from a hundred to like ninety five. <laughs> uh, this I'll tell you what. Before we wrap up here and give our grades, uh, there's one character that I do have a problem with, and I don't know what the show can do about it right now, but I really want to to talk to you briefly before we wrap things up about Jonathan. Yeah. yeah, So if you go back to season one, Jonathan was a very uh, excellent character, right? He was a brother who was dealing with the guilt of not being there for his, for his brother when he needed him the most. Yeah. Uh, He and Nancy clearly had, you know, a a connection. Um, If you go back to season one, you're you're rooting for Jonathan all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's Steve who's who's kind of like the school bully slash villain, you know. And Steve's been become arguably the fan favorite of the entire show. Yeah, he's a dark horse that I don't think the writers expected 
him to be as loved no, as he is. He was never supposed to be what he is. He was actually supposed to be in a few episodes and that was it. But they loved him <laughs> so much they kept him around. And and so I want to talk about Jonathan briefly. Uh, Jonathan to me is a character. I really honestly don't know if they know what to do with him as a character. Because yeah, now that there's no danger with or less danger with Will, he's kind of lost his role as the protective brother, keeping tabs on his younger brother. Yes, he he is clearly to me at least become. A, he's about as background of a character as you can get for the main cast. Yeah. He is they, like an accessory to Nancy. He is. He is. I mean, you know, there's like, okay, here's a question for you. And granted, I mean, you don't have to be specific here. Um, if you look at all, most of the characters, most of the characters have some kind of an arc, arc this season. Yeah. I feel like Jonathan has no no discernible arc this season. Yeah. He's just there to be the kind of comic relief every time Nancy pops into the dark room and ruins his photos and scolds her. And other than like them having a bit of a fight, there is really no development in his character whatsoever. No, no, it's true. And uh, it's something that I think we'll definitely, you know, talk about more as the season goes along because I do want to kind of keep bringing this up is because I want to get into more about Jonathan and we'll talk about him in the next episode. And I think each episode, because I want to really, if I'm talking about the things that this season doesn't do well, it is that that's one of them. I mean, there are actually a couple of characters that I feel like the show, I would almost say that it's a, there's a, it's a sign that maybe the show has, one or two characters too many. Yeah. And they're doing as good as the job they, as they can, considering that they think they have too many characters now. Because uh, if you go back to season one, you know, it, it's... And it's, basically it's, Joyce Hopper and the boys. If Joyce Hopper... Well, Jonathan Joyce, and Nancy. Yeah, Joyce Hopper, uh, the boys, and Eleven, and then you had Nancy and Jonathan. Yeah. And Steve kind of, kind around, of the, Steve. around the periphery. And for the most part, that's it. But now you have all those characters, you know, plus you have uh, Max, plus you have Billy. Uh, now you have Robin and Erica, uh, Lucas's sister. And um, you got this, the, um, dang, I can think of his name. The Russian guy. Well, the Russian guy. But um, the the uh, conspiracy Theorist reporter. That's what, yeah, um, I don't remember his name, but I like Bald Eagle that they call him. <laughs> Bald Eagle, right? I mean, and it's it was eight episodes this season, which means it's the same amount, I believe, as season one. Yeah. Right. So it's uh, it's just I feel like they're a little too overstuffed with characters that they have to incorporate into the show. So I'm I'm kind of hoping that we get maybe some paring down of yeah. the cast. Yeah. Kind of be nice. It would be smart to, I don't want to say eliminate characters because I never want that to happen. Or at least send them off. Like, to... like, like maybe make, how about have, you know, I hate to say it, um, but cause I love him, but you could have Steve actually go off to college. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I can't accept that. <laughs> you know, I know it's hard, but I'm just saying, like, you can find a way to not kill them, but still give them, you know, uh, a future, right? A complete arc, like, okay, you know, Steve is now it's now he's time time for him to be an adult. He's actually going to go off to college, and you know, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, I just want to bring Jonathan up before we wrap up the episode. Um, all right, so if we look at the grades for this, uh, script grade is an 88 overall. Between us, uh, 90 for acting, 87 for directing, 85 for special effects, 86 for pacing, and uh, 100 for watchability. Uh, although, of course, we don't factor that into the overall grade. But uh, the overall grades for me are a 90, and you have an 84, which means our overall is an 87. Damn, I feel like I'm kind of bitchy this episode. Just dragging it down, Sarah. Just dragging it down. 
what uh, happens when I only have one cup of coffee. Yep. See, that's what that's what happens. <laughs> so, all right. Um, that's it, I guess, for this episode. Again, I think it's a really good episode. I I love. I love that the kids are in eleven are all together. I mean, kind of. I mean, obviously she and Max are together, uh, but it's uh, where all the characters, again, as they usually do in the show, are all kind of following storylines, which will eventually converge. Yeah, and that's they do a really good job in doing that, like yeah. setting everyone on a path, but eventually everyone will connect, and yeah, they don't. They don't do it in a tropey way of keeping information from other people. Like it just it naturally comes about. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they do a great job, and I love it. And I, I feel like this show really is is great. And I think this episode is a real standout for season three. So hopefully they'll continue doing this. Oh yeah. How could you not? <laughs> All right. And, uh, oh. Next episode will be the sauna test. Yes, and that's uh, that's definitely an episode we want to get to. So, <laughs> all right, everyone, thanks for listening to us. Uh, yeah, we're on, and uh, also jump ahead of this episode a couple of times. Sorry, jump the gun. Uh, jump the gun a little bit uh, on this review of Stranger Things season three, episode three, and uh, hopefully you, you know, be checking back in as we review this on a test here, probably in a few days. Yeah, definitely. All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye, Geeks. Thanks for listening to the Freaking Geeks podcast. Be sure to visit FreakingGeeks.com as well as our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash FreakingGeeks for more great content. Also, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Trust us, it really helps. Now, if you'd like to write into the podcast and share your thoughts and ask questions, you can do so by sending your email to freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com. You can contact Michael on Twitter using at Michael underscore Lanich. You can contact Sarah on Twitter using at Labyrinth Rose or at Freak Geeks. 